You probably realize that neither Mom nor Eli were at Worm's funeral. I'm told this is what writers call foreshadowing. As I said before, Worm was the writer, not me. And while this memoir has been pretty devoid of literary style, device, and probably good grammar, I'm writing it for him, so please bear with me. On the night before Eli turned 18, he snuck into our bedroom and shook Worm and me awake. The two of us were worried he had a last-minute night shift, but Eli assured us that he didn't. I remember naively feeling relieved. For as long as I could remember, Eli was my father figure. He was nine years older than Worm and I, but he had a worldly pantheon of all kids that were forced to mature too quickly. He became our role model without argument and consoled our mother in our father's absence. He was our teacher when we were inquisitive, our leader when we needed guidance, and our disciplinarian when we were naughty. Through scraped knees and bloody noses, I always ran to Eli for support. Sometimes I even remember my mother calling him my father's name and Eli obediently replying in kind. In my mind, he was the strongest man in the world, and I longed to grow up to be him. That evening, Eli told us three things that an 18-year-old should never have to say and a nine-year-old should never need to hear. He spoke slowly and deliberately with his voice just above a whisper. He paused frequently for questions and waited for us to each nod our understanding. I started to become angry. The conversation lasted a half hour in total, but I clearly remember thinking the sun would rise before he finished. He had tears in his eyes, which made me angrier. I remember wishing he would just go away, and eventually, when he was sure we understood, he did go away. Not that evening, but the following afternoon. That night, he watched Mom so Worm and me could get a good night's sleep. That was the plan anyway, but we didn't sleep at all. I lay there with a mental image of my invincibly strong brother with tears in his eyes and listened to his words repeat in my head over and over again. One, Dad didn't die of a heart attack. He left us. Eli was too young to know why. Two, something bad happened to Mom's brain that day. He wouldn't say what, though. And three, Eli wasn't as strong as I thought he was. He needed to leave us. After the four of us had eaten lunch, Eli told Mom that he was going to boot camp to fight in the war in the Middle East. She asked him to try not to be late for dinner and started washing dishes. Me and Worm watched as she scrubbed a mug and stared out the window. Eli watched for a moment, too, and then went upstairs to grab his duffel bag. We could hear his footsteps over the running water. Eventually, he returned and enveloped the two of us in a hug. You're not going to understand this, but I'll try to explain it the best I can, he said. I felt a lump growing in my throat and avoided eye contact. I hated when he talked down to us. He knew full well that our troubled upbringing made us capable of understanding far more than any kid should, or at least Worm would explain it to me later. I refused to see him cry again and feared the anger inside me. I worried that if I even sensed a glistening in his eye, a redness in his cheek, a sporadic twitching of a lip, a tremble of his chin, or any pretentious harbingers of tears, I would feel compelled to smack him across his quizzling face. So I watched their mother at the window. Her silhouette was backlit through rippling steam by an unremarkable afternoon. Everyone chooses to be an animal, he said. I felt my fist tightening. You can choose to be whomever you want in life, any animal you can think of. 
In my periphery, I felt his gaze toggle between me and my brother. His voice softened. My knuckles burned and we all waited. Our mother put the mug into the strainer and then reached for a saucer. I chose to be an eagle. I'm made to fly high and protect my family from far away. He sucked his teeth and allowed his voice to harden. I have to leave you, he eventually said. That's what eagles do, he directed, clear and articulate. Trailing in a whisper, more to himself than the rest of us, he added, but I guess dogs do that too. Later in your life, both of you will decide what you are and learn what you need to do. But for now, for right now, I need you to be lions for me. I need you to protect each other and your mom. I hated when he called her your mom or your mother instead of mom or our mother. It always felt like he was removing himself from our family and consequently all its responsibility and requirement. He was perched on a high up airy, artificially free of criticism and inculpation, poised to judge the situation objectively. Mom did that too when she spoke of her husband, or rather, our father. Remember what I told you two last night, Eli whispered between our heads. Worm began to cry. I disarmed my fist and laid them on my thighs, feeling their heat dissipate into my jeans and skin. You two are the men of the house now. Take care of Mom and each other. I told him that Worm didn't want for him to leave. I'll be back for a weekend before they ship me out, Eli said and we'll try to visit at least one week a year if I can afford it. I told him that Worm was worried he'd be hurt. You two know I'm bulletproof, he said. Don't worry, no one's going to get me. I told him that Worm was worried he'd forget about us. I could never do that, Eli said with ugly, sickening tears returning to his eyes. Never in a million years. I love you two more than anything in the world. I told him that Worm said he loved him too. And what about you? I watched my mother place a plate in the strainer and start scrubbing a juice glass. Eventually, Eli decided that an answer wasn't going to come. He kissed our foreheads, picked up his bag, and walked over to the sink to whisper in Mom's ear. She rinsed the glass and put it in the strainer by the plate, picking up a fork. Eli tried hard not to look back at us as he crossed to the front door. At the last second, before he disappeared behind it, he gave in and cast a glance back. His face was red, and his eyes were glassy and streaming. I felt nauseated and pretended I didn't see it. Worm ran to the door and, I presume, walked with him to the bus stop. I went up to our room to watch the two of them turn down the street and out of view. Downstairs, I heard my mother shut the water off and light up a cigarette.